the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. 27 minutes after 9 o'clock, and we are back live now on AM 1420, The Answer. Had a little bit of a tech issue, couldn't get live in the first segment, uh, so we decided to bring you that uh, interview from Casper that we did just a couple of days ago. I hope you, if you missed it the first time, you... uh, we're able to gain something positive from it the second time. I think it really does put a, a bit of a spotlight on what's really going on over there, and uh, it may or may not make you feel differently about how you feel, uh, or rather differently, uh, uh, you know, make you feel differently about what our response is. Let me phrase it that way, and what it should be. Whatever your opinion is, it is welcomed uh, right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven eleven ten. I do want to hear from you throughout this program. Uh, as we are now live, I do want to just take care of a couple of things. We have three guests coming up in the program at ten ten. We're going to talk to Shannon Burns, uh, who is uh, the leader of the Strongsville GOP. There's a big event coming up on the twenty third that I will be a part of. We're also going to talk to him about the mess that is the Ohio Republican Party and uh, the State Central Committee and the ridiculous issues facing this state with respect to the uh, redistricting commission not being allowed to do its job by Maureen O'Connor, a Republican, who is the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, siding with the Democrats. So Shannon Burns is going to get into all of that. Then at 1035, Christina Hagan, who has just been appointed to by Mike DeWine to the Election Commission. We're going to talk to her about what that means. Uh, and then at 11.10, we're going to talk to Gary Rubin, a story I'll tell you about in a moment, but for, actually in a bit. But first, since uh, we did not do it at the beginning as we were not live, I think it's probably incumbent upon us to go ahead and do our Pledge of Allegiance. So, patriots, if you would, please stand here before the bottom of the hour. Put your hand on your heart. Face your flag if you have one. If you do not, just imagine one. If you are a leftist Biden supporter who is perfectly happy with all of the uh, death and destruction that we are seeing around us, well, then you go ahead and take your uh, knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback and to your favorite male swimmer dominating female swimming in the national championships. Yeah, I got that story, too. You go ahead and take your knee. The rest of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So it's a free-for-all Friday uh, for the next half hour at least because we do have guests coming up in a bit. But for the next half hour until 10 o'clock, free-for-all, what is on your mind? What questions do you have? What answers do you want to offer? What comments do you want to make? 216-901-0945. And I will encourage you again, make use of the website, alwayswrite.us. Click the red button to sound off. Tell us what you've got to say and do it in a recorded fashion. All you do is put your name and your uh, email address in there. Then you uh, do your recording, you stop your recording, you push send, and away it goes right to my screen. And I'll play it on the radio and respond to it in real time. All right, so that's coming up. Your phone calls after the news, AM 1420, The Answer.
the biggest threat to your health. Get your booster of common sense and keep yourself sane. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Yeah, 938. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer on this Friday. It is the 18th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2022. Didn't get to say that at the top because we had a glitch. A little uh, tech problem, and we were not able to get live, but we are live now, and I welcome your phone calls on this uh, free-for-all uh, Friday, 216-901-0945 or 888 and don't forget, you can leave your messages for me on the website, alwayswrite.us. Uh, I'm going to give you an update on that in, that in a second, but first... Always Right presents Real American Heroes. Real American When they're riding stag on their way to work. Baby, you can't be too careful. The science may show that your tiny paper mask doesn't work worth a flip, but that doesn't stop you from strapping it on day after day, week after week. Don't you know in a worldwide pandemic? Besides, the world needs to know just how woke you are. If your common sense is passed out on the back seat like an old drunken sailor. As long as he's got his mask on, yeah. So here's to you, Mr. Driving Alone with a Mask Guy. You may indeed suffocate in your own CO2, but at least you won't get COVID right up until you do. Brought to you by Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, the uh, they won't let go. They won't let go of the mask ridiculous rules. On TSA, they tried very hard. Rand Paul spearheaded the effort in the Senate. The left just won't do it. Mask rules still remain, particularly for children in certain circumstances, uh, but not for adults. There is just no rhyme nor reason to it. And part of the reason for that has got to be that, you know, we... um we trusted and listened to the guy who told us he is science. And we've been forced to listen to him. The, you know, when you argue and dispute this guy, you are disputing science itself because he is science. Anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? If you can believe the the gall of this guy, headline now, Fauci anticipates an uptick in COVID cases and a pivot back to masking. You just can't you can't this guy can't quit it. He he, he won't he won't let go of his power. He won't let go of his fear mongering. And he told PBS yesterday that he expects a COVID resurgence in the next few weeks and a return to mask guy. We generally follow, and this, how about this? 
we generally follow the European Union, but particularly in the U.K., by a few weeks, usually three weeks or so, he said to PBS. And if you look at what's going on in the U.K., for example, what you see, uh, or excuse me, when you combine the increased transmissibility of the BA2, which is a sub-lineage variant of the original Omicron, together with the relaxation of some of the restrictions like mask wearing and indoor concern about making people uh, sure people are vaccinated, and then you talk about the waning of immunity, they're starting to see an increase of cases. And to some extent, he said, an increase in hospitalization, even though they're not seeing an increase in necessarily the severity of the disease. So I would not be surprised, Judy, if in the next few weeks we see an uptick in cases, he said, and then, of course, a return to masking indoors. I give you all of that from this doc, uh, use that term loosely, this doctor, but Dr. Science himself, only to give you the rebuttal. Uh, Please allow me to retort, says Dr. Scott Atlas last night on Tucker. When do we admit that the person in charge of the policy, Dr. Fauci, his advice has been wrong and a failure? His advice was followed and it failed to stop the spread of the infection, it failed to stop people from dying, and it killed and destroyed millions, including sacrificing our children. That policy was a failure, yet somehow this person is given credence when he says we have to go and reinstitute his own policies that have failed. We have to realize also that the Western European countries are pure countries, even with their case numbers going up, given that these cases are very, very low lethality, they have they are eliminating their restrictions. Their cases are going up, yet places like the UK, Switzerland, and elsewhere in Western Europe are realizing that most people have had the infection and have natural protection, and most pe- the overwhelming percentage of people have had the vaccines as well. And so they are stripping away these edicts that are ineffective and failed. At some point, if we keep going back to that, we are going to be known as the flat earth nation. So all of that you just got from Dr. Scott Atlas completely contradicts everything that uh, Tony Fauci said. The policies that he advocated for were failures. The policies didn't stop people from dying. In fact, instead, it killed and destroyed millions, including sacrificing many of our children. And the other part is, you know, Fauci said we follow Europe a lot of times. The Western European countries are the ones saying we're not doing this game anymore. They've eliminated their restrictions in the U.K., in Switzerland, and elsewhere in Western Europe. And they realize people have natural protection, natural immunity. And that's something that Fauci, who I insist has got to be on the payroll of the big pharmaceutical cartels, Uh, that continue to make billions in profit, he continues to say we're going to have to go back to those again. Another shot, more masks, and more restrictions. There was a time, I recall, I'm old enough to remember this, because it was just two years ago, maybe you do too, where they said it's only two weeks to flatten the curve. We're not going to try to eliminate coronavirus. We're not going to Put, it, put restrictions in place that are going to last until there is nobody contracting coronavirus. We just have to make sure the curve isn't so steep that it overwhelms hospitals. Remember that? Fast forward two years, almost to the day. Wasn't it March 15th, 2020? Johnny, check that out. I think it was. 
I think it was March 15th to 2020 that Mike DeWine made his first announcement of lockdowns and only essential businesses and essential employees are going to be able to leave their homes uh, and only for essential runs to the market for things you have to have, like hand sanitizer and food and so forth. Uh, I think it was March 15th when they started this nonsense. It was March 18th, so literally two years to the day. March 18th is when that started. Thank you, Jack. Yeah. Well, let's... I'm not applauding, I'm not applauding the, 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 the decision, but just uh, that it's literally two years to the day commemorating that we lost freedom in this country. That was the beginning of, hey, we just have to flatten the curve. We can't have the hospital beds overwhelmed. We've got to chill for a little while, and we'll be all good norm- uh, back to normal later. Then it was June of that year, I believe it was, that uh, Governor Mike DeWine announced the um, uh, the closure of the schools. And, and, and not just the closure of the schools. No, it wasn't the closure of schools. I apologize. I'm, I'm lumping all of my, my times together here, or dates together, rather. Uh, the schools were closed actually later that month. That's right. The schools were closed later that month. That's when everybody, almost everybody, went to online learning. Later in March and, and in early April. That's what it was. Um, but we were told we have to wear masks indoors. That's what it was. The masking, if we just do that, he said, just do it for, for six weeks, I believe is what he said in the press conference in June of, of 2020, just for six weeks. Then we'll do enough to, to crush the virus and then we'll all be able to go back to normal. That lasted well over a year. So they told us all of this stuff about two weeks for this and six weeks for that, and now two years later, there is it's such a minor issue, and especially with Omicron, which is such a minor illness, and it's giving people what they needed to have, which is herd immunity. It's making more and more people immune. They have antibodies and T cells to fight off any variation or variant of coronavirus. And now there, here comes, uh, Dr. Science again telling you, nope, we gotta put the mask back on. Forget about all of those quacks in Europe, uh, where they don't know what they're talking about. They're lifting all their restrictions and they're seeing an increase in cases. And you know what they're also doing? They're getting back to normal. An increase in cases is, is okay. We get increasing cases of the flu every winter. We don't shut down anything. We don't change policies about freedom and, and, uh, and, uh, um, accessibility of public uh, places of public accommodation in other words we're not restricted in where we eat shop based on whether or not we're or work whether or not we're vaxxed or whether or not we're masked or anything else so scott atlas and other frontline doctors are really getting out in front of this and telling everybody we've got to unify and we do we have to unify against those who are going to try to bring this back again. And, oh, by the way, do not think for one second that this isn't being timed up. With national primaries all over the country, let's kind of trump up a new variant of of the coronavirus and tell everybody we're going to have to take drastic steps to make sure that nobody gets sick while they're waiting in line to vote. Universal voting, (coughs) balloting. Um, you know, drop boxes where you don't have to come in contact with other people, all the kind of things that they used in 2020 to weaponize the election and turn it into their favor. So uh, that's that's where we are. And I'm just glad Dr. Scott Atlas and others are speaking out about it. You want to weigh in on that? We'll take your phone calls, 216-901-0945, And don't forget, oh, I mentioned I was going <coughs> to update you on alwayswriteu.us. Uh, 
uh, the lead stories of the day. We'll do that after this time out, and you shouldn't need me to tell you what the lead stories are. You should be checking out the latest stories because they're updated multiple times per day at alwayswrite.us. I want it to be, seriously, your first choice in finding out what's the latest. What's the latest news, and what's the latest uh, explanation of the news? The commentary uh, and the views that you uh, that you have come to expect on the radio, you can now find online at alwayswrite.us. But I'll tell you more about that after this. When the stupidity of the left hurts... Oh, God, I hurt a little, but I'm all right. Always right with Bob France. Oh, God, I felt good, yeah! On AM 1420, The Answer. Yeah, a little clarification for you. Um, Johnny was just telling me, March 22nd is when uh, the stay-at-home orders were given. Um, and uh, uh, it was March 18th that you were told you can't go to restaurants. And you can't go to gyms and other places like that. You could only go to the essential places. In other words, that whole week was kind of goofy. That's when one new edict after another was handed down because Mike DeWine was following the advice of the walking, mumbling, bumbling, stumbling lab coat known as Amy Acton. And uh, all it did was destroy the state. Unjustifiably, indefensibly, all it did was just destroy the state of Ohio. It killed businesses. It crushed people's jobs. Uh, it crushed students. Many of those businesses, by the way, have never rebounded. They closed for good. Thousands of them. They closed for good. Others were barely able to hang on by the skin of their teeth, and they're still struggling to catch up and make money back from what they lost. So all of the terrible advice and terrible decisions made by Mike DeWine in 2020 uh, were two years right now, this week, two years since that time. And that's why it's just so extraordinarily frustrating to hear people like uh, the the uh, Dr. Science himself, Dr. Fraudchi, if you will, uh, telling us we're, it's time to go back to some of that again. Time to go back to masks. Uh, expect a new increase in cases because of the new variant or the sub-variant of the variant of Omicron, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very, very frustrating. All right, uh, I want to just give you an update on, again, what the top stories in the news are because I put them and make sure that they are on the front page of alwayswrite.us. Um, is anybody actually fooled by Leah Thompson? Who's Leah Thompson? Leah Thompson is the guy that just won all of the, uh, uh, not all of the, but won uh, one national championship and is ready to win another one by swimming against girls. Leah Thompson, or Thomas rather, uh, is just making a mockery of women's sports and thus a mockery of women, period. Listen to this uh, biological male celebrating his victory over the women uh, in an interview after the championship yesterday. Leah, how did that performance measure up to your expectations coming into this meet tonight? I, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for this meet. I was just happy to be here trying to race and compete as best as I could. You know who wasn't happy to have you there? Everybody else. The crowd... When Leah Thompson was introduced at the beginning of that race, gave a muted, kind of like a golf clap. It was almost silence. It was just just, kind of that. And then when the other contenders, the actual women in the Women's National Championships were introduced, there were loud, raucous applause. Same thing when it was over. When he touched the, uh, the, the wall first and won by two seconds over the uh, uh, second-place finisher, which is a big margin, by the way, in swimming, uh, again, just a very muted round of applause. When the second-place finisher touched the wall, that's when the entire uh, uh, aquatic uh, venue erupted. In other words, the second-place finisher is being treated as the champion because she's the fastest woman. 
and the person who's going to be wearing, well, not the gold medal, it's not the Olympics, but winning the national championship um, is essentially discarded as um, and disregarded as just a, a, you know an anomaly. You're not a real woman. You didn't race against women. Or, excuse me, you didn't race as a woman. You only raced against women. A guy who was mediocre to below average when he was on the men's swimming team is now winning national championships on the women's swimming team. And nobody is happy about it. So there's a great story, a national review about that uh, as one of the top stories. Uh, migrant encounters at the southern border in February surged 63% over last year. 165,000 encounters with uh, illegal aliens at our southern border in February alone. There's uh, some extraordinary cal- uh, or, uh, uh, border patrol statistics offered there in that Fox uh, story. Joe Biden is sending billions to protect Ukraine's borders. And it's just a reminder on Breitbart that he opposed $15 billion to complete the, the uh, United States border wall to protect our country and to stop our country from being invaded by different types of forces, gang forces, drug cartels, and more. Kamala Harris, the bumbling, stumbling, uh, I'm here, I'm standing here uh, now in in this place. Yeah, that's that's her, Kamala Harris. Um, has lost another one. The ninth top aide to flee bully Kamala's office, as it's described, uh, bully Kamala Harris, the ninth uh, person to leave. This is the deputy, hold on, let me find it again. It's the second in command in one of the bigger positions in the office. The deputy press secretary is leaving now. Um, this is the ninth high-level departure since she took office as the vice president. She is apparently as impossible to work with from the standpoint of kindness and uh, as she is uh, from the standpoint of competence. Kindness and competence, two things that she is missing. So far, um, she has lost her director of digital strategies, director of advance, deputy director of advance, communications director, chief spokesperson, director of press operations, deputy director of public engagement, and her speechwriting director. All of those before this one. Nobody wants to be around her, nobody wants to work for her, and nobody wants to continue to be embarrassed by her as she continues to stumble and bumble and fumble her way through um, all of these public uh, events that she is supposed to be supposed to be uh, uh, working toward. So, and you know, if we so to... <laughs> Ukraine is a country in Europe. It... Thank, thank, thank you, thank you, uh, Kamala. I appreciate. That. I am here, oh. standing here. On the northern flank, on the-, the northern flank, or the eastern flank, or some kind of a flank. I swear it's a flank. Okay. And it's- <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> and apparently, she has no friends on her staff because nobody wants to work uh, with her. Coming up on top of the hour news, check out alwaysright.us. Check out alwaysright.us for the lead stories of the day. Biden. Uh, also, um, uh, a leading children's hospital offering young boys advice on how not to be young boys anymore. Simply disgusting and despicable. And Yale Law students saying that, well, in our world, laws don't exist that protect free speech. I'll tell you more about that. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Ohio politics on the table. Shannon Burns will join me right here on AM 1420, The Answer.
you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number two is underway. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Free for all Friday, 18th morning, third month. Year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us. Getting a lot of good messages coming in on the website uh, by way of voicemail. And this is the great thing. If you can't sit on hold and wait to get on the air live, uh, that's the beauty of alwayswrite.us. Click the red sound off button. Record your message for me. Push send. It'll come right to my screen. And I'll play it. And we'll talk about it, and we'll react to it. So getting a lot of those coming in right now. Uh, We'll start playing some of those in a bit. But uh, by all means, keep those coming. It's terrific. It's a great alternative to sitting on hold. Just ask your question or make your comment, and we'll react to it. This guy reacts to everything that happens in the state of Ohio with respect to the Republican Party because he's a member of the State Central Committee. He's also the leader of the Strongsville GOP, and he's got a big event coming up uh, next week on the 23rd. He is Shannon Burns, back with us here on AM 1428. It's a standing ovation for Shannon Burns. How about that? I don't know what you did to deserve that, but but, uh, there it is. How you doing, Shannon? I'm great, Bob. How are you doing? I love I'm it. Good. I'm good. The <laughs> only problem with that ovation is it's from a bunch of uh, gang members. It's a bunch of marauding <laughs> gang members. <laughs> the, the gang is code for the establishment. Is that what? You're... <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Shannon, there's so much to get into, man. Um, we're not going to have a primary again. Mike DeWine did it essentially arbitrarily, even against the edict and uh, order of the Supreme Court. Uh, during the COVID year of 2020, we didn't get our primary on time, and now we can't get lines drawn. Well, let me rephrase. Three different times, the redistricting commission has redrawn the lines, all constitutionally, and, and has been shut down by the Ohio Supreme Court, by a Republican, by this Chief Justice, Maureen O'Connor, who, rather than doing what she should do, is siding with the Democrats, the Democrat minority on the court, to make them draw them again. So once again, it's the Ohio GOP, uh, you know, or the ORP, if you will, but she's in the, in the Supreme Court now, that just cannot get out of its own way. And now uh, it's going to be too late to be able to have this, uh, this primary on May 3rd, Shannon. What's your reaction? Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, it really is. My, my reaction is actually one that's... It's, I talked to the group the other last week about this. Never before have we really cared what this, this arbitrary state central committee is in the state of Ohio, right? It's the board of the state party. It matters. Uh, but it usually matters to insiders, to people that are paying attention a lot. But now we look at what we're faced with. We're looking at a chief justice that is clearly not with us. She's clearly a Democrat that has been running under the Republican's name for so many years. The reason why she's been running under the Republicans' name for so many years is because we haven't been allowed to have primaries. We haven't had robust and, you know, thoughtful primaries in the state, and that's because the establishment has been using their power to eliminate primaries for so many decades. And and that has to be the change that happens in Ohio. We are now, because of of the great work President Trump did uh, for us in 2016 and 18 and in 20, we're now a red state, at least for the foreseeable future, and we need to be in a, a position where our state party is now is encouraging 
great, robust, thoughtful primaries that help us make the direction of the party so we don't have a Democrat that's our chief justice that's been running as a Republican her entire career. Um, and, you know, we're, we're sitting as, in a circumstance where our, our chief justice, our Republican chief justice, has effectively thunder nose at us and said, nope, we're not even going to have a primary now. We're going to have to do it at some later date because I say so, because Queen Maureen says that the maps are no good after the fourth attempt. Right. You know, I think there's, you know, a lot of other things that, that happen that progress to make to get us to this point, but we can't deny the fact that we have somebody who is supposedly a conservative that really was never a conservative. Shannon, I, I, um, I, I have to admit, I didn't realize how long she had been serving on the Supreme Court and how long she had been Chief Justice. Um, she's been there since like 2003. I was trying to do a little research on her record yesterday when all of this went down. Um, are you aware... Um, has it always been this way? Has she always made her decisions and cast her votes on cases um, with the with the liberal side of the Supreme Court, or is this a twist, a turn for her in more recent times? Well, I'm not I'm not an expert on every single decision, but the I've asked that same question of many attorneys that I know, mm-hmm. and she has definitely not been reliable. Definitely not been reliable. This is not a first time that she's gone this way. And, and this coming from somebody, you know, you know, Bob, she actually grew up in Strongsville, uh, went to Strongsville High School. And uh, I'm really disappointed in that. I almost don't want to own that, that, uh, you know, that we've got Strongsville's own sitting at, uh, on the Supreme Court and the Chief Justice is betraying us. And, you know, by the way, it's not just her. It's the other Democrats that are on uh, the Supreme Court as well. There's four justices that have decided to take the law into their own hands instead of following the state constitution. They've decided to to follow Eric Holder instead and do what uh, what Eric Holder says instead of what the law says. Yeah, we talked about that some yesterday. Uh, Tom Zawistowski was talking about that. Sue to blue. Uh, files lawsuits as many as you can until, uh, you, know, until you, you turn your state blue, and this is what they're doing. I, I want to talk about the possible impeachment here because this, again, Tom Zawistowski was very passionate about this yesterday, and, and uh, even more so today, I'm looking at his website, Need the People Convention. There is a strong um, unity or a strong union of conservatives who are coming together to demand that Speaker Bob Cup uh, and Senate President Huffman uh, move to impeach her right now. Um, not later. This has to happen now. Apparently, the articles of impeachment have already been drafted, but Cup won't do anything as far as bringing them to a vote or having hearings in order to then have a vote. So right now on the We the People Convention website, uh, and I get Tom Z's mailings here, there is a strong, strong message that needs to be sent to Speaker Bob Cup. Um, and uh, and I'm just I'm skimming it as I talk. Uh, there's there are links to the prominent legislators that need to be reached about this, a link to Cup himself to tell him to do this, uh, and uh, and to others. So this is a huge movement that is being led by Tom Z and other conservative groups in Ohio to get her impeached. Um, is that something you, as a state central committeeman, would say you support, or even as just the leader of the uh, uh, Strongsville GOP? Well, in general, I am really, really frustrated with her and disappointed i i my problem right now bob is that no matter how pissed off i am at her right now i don't know what the impeachable offense is and i think it's important for us to actually if we're going to tell her to follow the law we need to do the same thing right now 
Now, if there's, if there's a clear case that she's actually uh, broken her oath of office, by the way, it would also likely then be all four of the, uh, the justices that are doing this, uh, not just her, then I'd be all for it. I just, I'm just not at a point where I've had somebody explain to me a clear case as to why uh, impeachment is the route. You know, I always well, think well, let me try. Let, let me try. Yep. And, I, and I may not be fluent enough in the law to, to do it, but, but I'll try. It's, it appears to me that anything that the redistrict, redistricting commission brings to her, um, which is going to be a split, you know, a, a vote uh, among the, the members. Republicans are going to be for it. And obviously, there's one more. They're the majority. And the Democrats are going to be opposed to it. She is going to keep turning down until um, it's essentially a 50-50 split in terms of which districts favor uh, which which party, in, which in, a set, in essence means she would be doing the, the redistricting. She's not going to be satisfied until the law, lines are drawn the way she wants them drawn. And that would be a violation of, of the Constitution. To my understanding, the Ohio Constitution says that the redistricting commission draws the lines, not the Supreme Court. It's not, it's not in the purview of the judiciary to draw legislative district lines, and she is going to continue to refuse them until she sees the ones she likes. Ergo, she's the one drawing them then. And is that not impeachable when you are literally violating the Constitution in order to uh, impose your will? That's, that's a well, layman's way of saying it. Yeah, I, and I get it, but I, I actually think of this from the perspective of, of our, our good friend, you know, I say that in jest, Anthony Gonzalez, right? <laughs> Gonzalez goes out and, because of political reasons, decides to impeach our president, President Donald Trump. Uh, by the way, you know, says privately to to us that he believes that the president is being um, is being uh, it was, people were going after him. Elite society was going after him. Um, even then, he went and did the same thing. But that's a, a different story that we've talked about prior to this. I don't think that he had a case to be made, which is why we were so adamant that he made a mistake, not just a mistake, but he broke his oath of office as a congressman, because he went out and voted for impeachment when there wasn't a clear case that had been made already. Now, if she would actually go out and draw these lines herself, clearly that would be, um, uh, would be breaking her oath to the Constitution, clearly. She hasn't done that yet. Um, she's done things that are obviously in our opinion, very politically motivated, but there's no smoking gun on that either. She's trying to make a case that let, let me, bad But let me tell you where there's a difference between what you, you know, in the, in the comparison you just made. The, the reason Anthony Gonzalez had to go, uh, and the reason he was censured eventually, uh, by the, the state GOP is because he voted without due process. This, the impeachment procedure in right. the federal government, uh, it, it required, and he knew it because they did it the first time. It was the second impeachment of Trump. They impeached him over the ridiculous uh, uh, Russian collusion thing uh, and Zelensky the first time around. And the way it went, as you know, is there were all kinds of presentations and questions and witnesses that were brought in the House before yep. they then voted to send it to the Senate for a trial. Well, in this case, as you know, uh, the second case, rather, as you know, in which Gonzalez voted, they didn't even have that. They just drew the articles and said, go, because they had to get it done before Biden was sworn in, or else it was irrelevant to try to impeach somebody after they've already left the office. So he had already... You know, what they, what they had done in, in that particular case was to impeach him without due process on the House side. I don't think anybody's calling for that here. I think the articles have been introduced against Maureen O'Connor and they want to have the official due process. Let them present the smoking gun. 
I guess, is the point here. Let the impeachment hearings happen. And that's why we need to reach out to Cup and everybody else who's in leadership and, quite frankly, all of the the legislators to say, get the process started. Nobody's saying jump the gun. Nobody's saying do what was done to Trump. I agree with you. We don't do that. But get the process started and get it started right away because time is of the essence. Yeah, I'd be with you on that. I mean, absolutely. First off, I want to correct something you said. As you said, the state party censured him. Well, the state party wanted to censure Gonzalez, but I corrected that, and I actually introduced a call for him to resign, and the state party actually called on Gonzalez to resign, which he uh, didn't do, but he next thing to it, he decided not to run again. So I just make sure we clear. <laughs> okay, there, copy but... that. I, yeah, and because and, uh, I remember my interview with Jane Temkin, and I said, why did you not vote to censure him? Why did you not personally censure him as a represent as the uh, uh, chair of the ORP? Uh, the way other, because I think all of the other nine Republicans um, uh, in uh, who joined Gonzalez in joining the Democrats to vote to impeach Trump, um, they did. They were censured by their state Republican parties. Everybody except this one, to my knowledge. But then after she left and decided she was going to be a Senate candidate, and Paducah came in, I thought that's when the censure took place, or as you said, the forced resignation. That, that's correct. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, uh, Timken's staff. I wanted to bring up a censure resignation call right after it happened, right. and Tipkin's staff asked me not to do it. They they begged me not to do that, um, and that was uh, right before she became you know became a, a Senate candidate. So that, just yeah. to uh, put that out there. But you know, back to this, I'd be all for uh, getting to the bottom of it. If the, we all know where there's smoke, there's fire. We know that she's been acting politically instead of doing her job and following her oath of office. Yeah. So let's go find out what what that actually happened, and, and if there's an impeachable offense, then by all means, that would be a, a, the appropriate time to do that. If we, but we should act in the way we said we were going to act, and with uh, you know we were against Gonzalez on is that we should be finding out and having facts and, and proof before we you know just go off the handle and do a. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I would not say I want to vote right now without the actual uh, articles being presented and having discussion and debate and witnesses and so forth. Do it. Uh, do those things so that we do things the right way. I'm totally with you on that. But like I said, yep, the time yep. is, you know, Bob Cup is, does not seem to be um, interested in, in even having that discussion, and it needs to happen. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's been very, very aggressive on any of this, because obviously we've right. been negotiating against ourselves on the entire redistricting uh, commission topic. You know, the Democrats haven't presented anything. All they do is say no. And we comply and say, okay, we'll give you worse maps. Oh, we'll right. give you worse maps. So, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, the other part of this, too, is she's demanding the order that she made was that demanding that the districts now be, or the redistricting be done in public. That it has to be done with public, the public watching. They have to do this in the interest of transparency in front of the public, which means it'll never get done because you know what kind of chaos that would create if they actually did this in some forum, uh, where they're sitting there and, 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 you know, literally moving the, uh, the district from one to another and the outrage and the eruption by people. There are some things that need to be done, uh, you know, privately among elected or appointed members of a body like the redistricting commission and that are trusted to act on behalf of the people without letting the cheering or the booing or the threatening of the people watching impact what they do. Uh, I just think that's Once very- again, if the, if, the, if the citizens of Ohio wanted to create a public spectacle in creating redistricting, we would have voted for that Thank in a constitutional you. amendment. We didn't do that. So follow the law. Don't follow what your your political beliefs are, which is what she's doing right now. That's exactly what I wanted to get out of this. Uh, Shannon, uh, Wednesday, Save Our Schools Town Hall. Can you hang with me for a minute here? We'll take a quick break. Can you come back and tell us about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks. Okay. We'll talk more with Shannon Burns right after this. 
Shannon Burns continues with me here for just a couple of more minutes. Uh, I just got a text here from uh, my friend Rob Walgate, who is a sometime fill-in on my program. And uh, he's, of course, with the Ohio Roundtable. He said the Ohio General Assembly should put up a joint resolution that would be a constitutional amendment for us to vote on that would repeal the amendments we passed in 2015 and 2018 that created this chaos. Eric Holder will never be happy until he draws the map. I think that's pretty doggone accurate, don't you? I think it is. I think that uh, we've made a mistake with the constitutional amendment. Uh, We are sold a a bill of goods, and I really feel like we need to correct these wrongs. Um, It's been a mockery. We're now looking at a few weeks before absentee ballots are supposed to uh, be in our hands. Uh, We were looking at the military ballots are supposed to be going out. I think today was the original day, I think Monday or Tuesday. And and now we're, we're... sitting in the middle of, uh, of, of unknown territory. We don't know what the next is going to be. We've, I've heard from many people that we may be uh, having a split primary, meaning yeah. statewide at one time and uh, legislative at another. I think that's a bad choice. I think that you know, I, I'd like to see us move towards a, a primary date that's just a little bit later uh, so that we can get our house in order to get past these, uh, this leftist incursion into our Constitution. And uh, then... Get this over with. You know, let's choose who our net, who our leaders of the uh, party are going to be, and let's go beat Democrats in the, the general election in November. Yeah, yeah. and you know, uh, by the way, just a small matter of twenty to thirty million dollars it would cost Ohio taxpayers to hold a split primary uh, yep. to do it to do it twice. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's Wait talk about what's coming up on Wednesday. It's a Save Our Schools Town Hall. Stop the left's plan to indoctrinate our children. I have been. Uh, Asked, obviously, uh, to to help uh, run this event and moderate this event. Tell us more about it. Tell us who's participating. So it'll be a, it's going to be a great event. It's to be held in Strongsville on Wednesday. StrongsvilleGOP.org is where you can uh, get tickets. Tickets are a whopping $5 for members. Um, we are going to have uh, an event that's uh, probably the most pivotal town hall meeting that we'll, ha- we'll have this year on what's happening in our schools, what the left is trying to do to destroy our schools, and how we can stop them. To be moderated by yours truly, uh, Bob France. Uh, Peter Kersenau will be a, a speaker at it. Uh, John Stover from Ohio Value Voters. And then the endorsed candidate for governor, uh, Jim Renacci, will also be a speaker. Uh, the town hall meeting is going to last about an hour and a half, and it'll be held at what's called the Best Western Plus in Strongsville. It used to be the Holiday Inn in Strongsville. Uh, 6.30 on, on Wednesday. It's going to be a great event, great opportunity to really dig into the topics that um, what the left has been trying to do to indoctrinate our children. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's a scary state of affairs that we are faced with right now. And I, I love the fact, quite frankly, that the Dems are out there saying, well, it didn't happen. It's not happening. You know, obviously, that's, we all know that's not the case. And what's important for us, we believe, is that we need to know what's happening, and we need to know how to stop it. And the only way to do it is get informed. And I think yeah. this is a great venue. And, you know, spend an hour with us on, on Wednesday and get informed about what's happening in our schools and how we can stop it. 
And, you know, Shannon, uh, you've got a great panel there of informed people, seriously, with Peter and John and uh, and the endorsed uh, gubernatorial candidate for Strongsville GOP, Jim Renacci. Those are a lot of people who are very close to the situations and, uh, and who have studied it. Peter has written extensively. In fact, he was on President Trump's 1776 commission, as you know, which was in response to the 1619 fictional, uh, uh, you know, uh, narrative that uh, that has been put into a lot of public schools. So uh, you've got some people who are very, very well versed in this. It's going to be a great event uh can you tell tell me again how do people get their tickets they got to pay their five bucks is it at the door they register ahead of time you definitely can come to the door that's not a problem uh strongsvillegop.org uh you can go in and get your tickets right now uh it will sell out at some point um but uh we are we are we've made some new space some additional space there at the best western so we should be uh pretty good if all your listeners want to come and show up and have a have a night where you really learn about what's happening and get activated. Find out what you can do in your city. Uh, that's what we're we're about. What we love to see happen is each of our cities, each of our school districts, reverse course. Especially some of these school districts have already gone off the deep end. Yeah, and we really. all have heard those stories, and there's there's plenty of them right now. Yeah, uh, I'm very passionate about this issue. Uh, in fact, I'll have to check myself as the moderator and not a panelist because I might just want to go off <laughs> on my own. But I'm looking forward to it. There's great people that are going to be there. I encourage everybody to be there in Strongsville on Wednesday. Uh, w- w- website, Shannon, just in case they forgot everything or forget yep. by Wednesday everything you just said, how can they find out the details? Strongsvillegop.org. Okay. And uh, you go in there and pay your whopping $5 entrance fee uh, so that we can keep the lights on and have a great night, a great opportunity there. I I pulled up the uh, Strongsville uh, GOP Facebook page, too. The information is on there for those who are looking for it. So strongsvillegop.org or on the Facebook page. And I look forward to seeing everyone there on Wednesday night. Shannon Burns, you'll be there, too, and we certainly appreciate the invitation. Thanks for the time today. We'll talk soon. All right, Bob. Thanks. Take care. You got it. That's uh, Shannon Burns on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take a time out here, get some news, come back. Christina Hagen, who has been newly appointed to a state commission by Governor Mike DeWine. Is that a good thing? I don't know. We'll ask her what it means, and we'll ask her about this primary mess that has been created by the Ohio Supreme Court. That's coming up on Always Right. Right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. I've heard your your latest presentation on the 17th of March uh, about Ukrainian situation. My question to you is this. A country that lived on the border of Russia for centuries was starved in the early 1900s and was released after the fall of the Soviet Union why is it that Ukraine has no army, armaments, air force, planes? Why is this? That uh, message came in uh, again via the shout out button on the Always Right website, alwaysright.us, AJ and in Independence, asking a very good question. If I can answer it super briefly, because I want to get to Christina Hagen, uh, they do have an army. They just don't have the size of an army that is necessary to combat the one uh, that the Russians have brought in. 
and they don't have the Air Force. You say, well, all these years, they don't have an economy the size of ours. They don't have an economy the size of Russia's either. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's tougher for smaller countries to be able to put together the type of air forces and to have the, the, the you know, the planes that they need to patrol their own airway, airspace, rather, that they do need to look for some assistance to allies and friends. Um, but you're right. You're, you're right to say that you would think they would be a little bit better off than they are after all of these years. But uh, that's the answer to me. It is simply a matter of uh, it's a matter of size and and ability, uh, and that's why they need assistance. Keep those coming. Great, uh, get a whole bunch of great messages. I've been trying to screen through them uh, during the breaks, and I'll keep playing them as long as you keep calling or not calling rather, but logging on and uh, leaving us those messages. Log on to alwayswrite.us. Click sound off and record your message for the show. Let's bring Christina Hagan on. She is, of course, a former Ohio State representative. She has been our political commentator on Fridays now for uh, several months. And Christina, Christina Hagan, it's good to have you back. How are you this morning? Good morning. I am doing well. Um, obviously heavy-hearted, like many Americans, as we think of our brothers and sisters across the world and just the economic situation and obviously the state of war and potential wars. Um, but we still have joy and knowing that we're God's and we're carrying forward for his glory and his purpose. So trying to be prayerful every single day and intentional about what we can do within our scope. So I'm blessed to be here with you today, Bob. Well, I completely agree with all of those things, and uh, and I join you in those prayers. Christina, I always introduce you as a former Ohio State representative, and now i got to change that a little bit because you are a current member of the Ohio Elections Board, appointed by Governor Mike DeWine. So the first thing when I, <laughs> the first uh, question that I have for you when I saw that you were appointed to that commission is, wait a minute, why would Mike DeWine like Christina Hagan? I don't think Christina Hagan is much of a Mike DeWine fan, unless I've been misreading our conversations through the uh, through the course of these last several months. So tell me how this appointment came to be. Yeah, so I, I appreciate the question. And it's, um, you know, I think there are these unique windows of opportunity and God's hand and presence and allowing for conservative and um, I think really intentionally truth-seeking voices to rise to opportunities to serve. And this is one of those unique windows where a conservative like me could, um, because of just, you know, only by the hand of God, um, having had, you know, the relationships and blessings of serving along certain legislators, you know, had I been in a different seat um, next to a different person or had I um, had the ability to reach out to legislators, be mentored by different people, I think this was a unique kind of sands of time thing where just like when I um, received the original opportunity to serve against the grain of the establishment way back in 2011 um, and by the um, advice and guidance of the conservatives in the state legislature at the time who knew we had to do conservative things um, and a speaker who understood that age and being conservative was not a threat but an attribute, um, I think we're in a unique circumstance. This is um, a primary season. Um, we also have a speaker and a Senate president who I have been blessed to serve alongside. So they know my moral courage and my fortitude for what is right and what is good and willingness to make tough decisions. And so it was actually um, by the request and um, suggestion of both leaders of the legislative chambers that I was recommended to the governor, and it is um, it is tradition for the governor to honor those requests jointly submitted by the leaders of the legislative body. And so I think that's pretty much 
um, how it came to be. And, you know, I, like you, didn't anticipate that I would be awarded this because I'm sure there were many other um, opportunities and other people submitted. Um, but in this moment, um, we have the blessing of serving in this capacity. And, you know, I think if it was a different year, if it was a different time, it wouldn't happen. Um, but here we are, and the governor has honored that. And for that, I'm grateful and thankful for the opportunity to serve. I am grateful as well and surprised because he doesn't often do the honorable thing, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so, so thanks for the explanation as to how it happened and what the process is. That is good to know. Let me ask you this now before we talk about the business at hand for the elections board because we're in a mess right now. We're going to have to postpone our primary, maybe have a split primary, and there's all kinds of issues with the uh, election system right now in this state. Uh, but let me ask you about some of the criticism. Uh, I read uh, a little article um, from the Ohio Capital Journal, which is not necessarily my favorite Ohio publication, because, uh, quite frankly, they're just not real news in my estimation. But they decided to call you out and this appointment out, describing you uh, as being somebody who hyped up 2020 voter fraud claims. That how can somebody like Christina Hagen uh, serve on the Elections Commission when she doesn't believe in the elections process? Uh, they highlighted a social media post from November 7th, obviously just a few days after the election, in which you said the American people are entitled to an honest election. All legal votes should be counted. If you think these are controversial statements, you must not agree with safeguarding the sacred value. Oh, this is, I'm sorry, a subsequent statement that you made. So, Christina, uh, you're taking some criticism because you have stated that you believe the election in 2020 was rigged. How does that square with your position on an elections commission? Do you want to you respond to that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have um, always made statements that I believe are true and accurate. Um, some of the statements that were criticized were the fact that I said that mostly um, on that day, the people that arrived at the Capitol were peaceful protesters. Uh, I stand beside that statement just because the media has not reported the truth on this matter um, does not mean that there weren't good um, civilly engaged Americans there that day. And the majority of them, which were, we know very well how the media tends to play their hand to call out the most dramatic or ridiculous circumstance and then paint the entire group of conservatives or patriots, American-loving, God-fearing people as rotten, awful, dangerous um, disaster zones. So I, I 100% stand by every single statement that I have made to date um, without any hesitation, and that's because I believe that they were accurate and true statements, and we have seen um, through several series of revealing of um, instances of election fraud taking place, there is no there is no intention or effort from the mainstream media to disclose the reality of um, election fraud incidences. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist and they aren't widespread and often occurring. So I, you know, I. I'm not shocked or surprised, but I continue to walk my Christian walk and taking joy in all circumstances, even those where people intentionally are trying to muddy my name or my ability to act with integrity or my ability to weigh facts um, in any, any case or any instance. Um, and this is just more of the same. And, you know, honestly, I wear it as a badge of honor that um, the liberal extreme radical left in the media wake up with a desire to try to tear me down. That tells me that I am walking with the people, um, that I'm walking with the truth, and that I am a light that they want to put out. So that that is fine by me. I never enjoy it in the instance in which I read these things. Um, but I'll tell you, Bob, 
that particular um, reporter, if you would call him one, um, I would say more of an opinion writer, he reached out to me, and the first thing I did was Google search his name. I said, okay, I'm not familiar with this person. I want to see some of his write-ups. Now, every single piece that he had published um, was a, a extremely one-sided attack piece on Republicans. And I thought, well, I know how this goes. It doesn't matter what I say. Um, it doesn't matter what statement I make. In fact, the statements that he used all throughout the article um, were sound statements that he used out of context to try to paint a picture about me that he wants the public to believe. And so this was the first reporter in the history of my public service that I did not believe deserved the honor of a call back because after reading his work, I knew that I did not want to participate um, with somebody who has no intentions but to lie to the public. So that is pretty much my assessment of the situation. I, you know, again, feel honored to have the opportunity to uphold our Constitution and to represent fair practices, um, ensure that our campaign finance and campaign practices are fair and equal um, regardless of political party, but the people are being treated fairly and that they are acting in accordance to the law. I think it's an honor to have this opportunity. And quite honestly, I'm 33 years old, and I don't really care what the mainstream media thinks about me at this point. Uh, good for you. Uh, that's the best way to keep your sanity. And to and and I think you uh, I think you were smart to vet him a little bit before you decided on whether or not you were going to make a comment that could have been twisted and taken out of context, like he was going to do with your old stuff. Anyway, so uh, that's probably smart. And the Ohio Capital Journal. He's not the only one, but at that uh, publication that is necessarily skewed uh, in the way that he was. Let's talk about the job at hand now. Give me your assessment now that you're on the Elections Commission. Give me your assessment of the state of things. We're supposed to be less than two months away from a primary now, about six weeks, actually, on May 3rd. Um, and that's not going to happen because the district lines were rejected again by a, a Republican chief justice siding with the Democrats on the Supreme Court to say, nope, can't do it. And now we're not going to be able to either, you know, we may have to just postpone the whole thing until August, or we may end up doing a split primary where the districts are not needed for some of the races in the state. What's your reaction and what is your assessment? Um, my reaction is simply that this is beyond irresponsible, that the consequences um, are not only financial in nature for taxpayers, but also for our ability to be represented. I think that it's been a careless and reckless situation between the courts um, stepping out of their bounds of what is their rightful authority um, and bullying the process in the way that they have. And so it's interesting because, um, as was mentioned, you know, it's trying to paint me to the far, far right, um, which, you know, I, I'm okay with being on the right. Um, I think it's a great place to be. And I'm going to do something I uniquely would not normally do here, Bob, but there was a, an opinion piece that was written up by Ted Deadian, um from Cleveland.com that I think is actually an excellent piece for all of Ohioans to read because it paints and easily describes the reality of how these redistricting decisions um, through this process and by this process and bouncing back and forth in such a reckless way is nothing more than a pipe dream to have a nonpartisanship process in redistricting. And now um, I will bounce to the other side of things. I was just reading um, even a write-up by Tom Zalosowski, and I've seen calls for impeachment from Chris Long and others at the Ohio Christian Alliance, and you know, which may very much be rightfully founded. Um, with the Chief Justice and others on the court, um, 
something they said here, which is a reality as well, is the fact that the court has demanded and drawn the specific write-up, and that was answered to by this commission um, of the 54% to 46% split that the court demanded, um, which in itself is unconstitutional, then made the following order. The commission should retain an independent map drawer who answers to um, not only to Republican legislative leaders, um, but to all commission members and to draft a redistricting plan through a transparent process. So now we're being told to ignore the Constitution of the state of Ohio, uh, where the legislature is the only body that is given authority to draw these lines. Um, we have no certainty on when we can actually even hold this election. Uh, we continue to be in a state of constitutional crisis. This is the second primary election in less than two years where the date is uncertain for Ohioans. I mean, we we are in a complete upheaval of anything sane as it relates to representation, the opportunity to cast a vote, and whether our court is even acting in accordance with the Constitution. It's obvious that this is not this is not going to go well for anybody. And I don't know that anybody knows the exact outcome. Um, it seems that there's no way to even hold this election without pushing it back, um, which will cost, you know, upwards of $20 million to taxpayers. So I'm, I'm disgusted as anybody and everybody is. Um, I feel for the legislative leaders in the sense that they need to make a tough call and quickly if they're going to move the election date. Um, which is, you know, there are there are consequences of that as well. So it's it's disturbing to be where we are. We're in the midst of constitutional crisis, and even to the point where um, somebody within Cleveland.com is making sense because they and themselves can observe that this is an impossible task, um, and the only way for this to make sense is to truly reflect the state of Ohio. And even they state, you know, seven counties went to Biden. The other 81 went Republican, and they want a 54-46 split. So it's just an impossible task and continues to be unconstitutional. It is all of those things. Terrific analysis by Christina Hagan. Perhaps that, that's why she was so highly recommended uh, for the position on the Ohio Elections Commission. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Obviously, we have to wait and see how this whole thing plays out. I am for, by the way, I am in the camp of at least beginning the impeachment procedure. See what the articles are and actually start holding those hearings in the uh, in the Ohio House side and see where it goes because what she is doing right now is completely disrupting, if not outright stopping, uh, the people from being able to elect their representatives. Um, this this primary this primary is extraordinarily important. But waiting until August skews it for everything. It takes those who are maybe not as well funded as others and puts them at a huge disadvantage because uh, now they have to find a way to match dollar for dollar the well healed candidates who can spend through May and June and July and into August. Whereas the whole thing would have come to a head uh, on May third. Now, I mean, all of the ramifications of this. Um, I just think it's un- I think it's unconstitutional and it's unforgivable, and I think there should be a long, long look into Maureen O'Connor to see if she should remain on that bench. Uh, Christina Hagen, terrific stuff. Thank you for congratulations on the uh, appointment, by the way, and thank you as always for being with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. God bless. Ten fifty four. We'll take a time out. Come back. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 
Good stuff with uh, Christina Hagen there. Uh, she's always a great interview. She always has great insight to offer. That's why she's our uh, regular Friday pundit, if you will. So coming up after the top of the hour, and we get into hour number three, um, we're going to have to have another conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to talk to uh, Gary Rabin, who is, by the way, a candidate for the governor uh, position in Illinois. He's also writing for townhall.com. He's a founding board member of the Job Creators Network and of the Rabin Group of Companies. And like I said, he's a candidate for governor of Illinois in 2022. And he wrote a piece for Town Hall for Liberty and Medical Freedom for All. It's about uh, the battle uh, against mandates, particularly the vaccine mandates, on behalf of the truckers, like the ones up in Canada. And yes, uh, the ones who um, were part of the People's Convoy that went all the way across the country from L.A. to Washington, D.C. Uh, he's got some strong statements to talk to make about medical freedom. We're going to talk about what we can do to continue to fight, especially now that Fauci is back on his, uh, his high horse. You know, remember, he had disappeared pretty much for a couple of weeks after Omicron kind of pretty much wiped everything out uh, and no need for anything else, and everybody started waving and uh, ending their sanctions and their mandate policies and so forth, he'd been gone. I even asked Jim Jordan if he was in the witness uh, protection program. But he's back now, and he's back not with his tail between his legs to say, yeah, sorry about all that. He's back to say, we're going back in. Fauci says... We're going back to mask mandates. We're going to have to because COVID is coming back. It's going to make a strong resurgence, this sub-variant of Omicron. So we need to figure out how we're going to fight for our liberty, how we're going to fight for our medical freedom. That's what Gary Rabin wrote about. We're going to talk to him about it. And I want to hear from you. Don't forget. That's what the uh, uh, sound off button is for on alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. Click sound off and uh, send a message to me. We'll play it on the radio. By the way, just a couple of other notes. In addition to the top stories... One of which is Jack Windsor's latest, Ohio GOP turning it a red state blue. That's one of the top stories. In the radio highlight of the day, you'll find yesterday's interview with Jim Renacy clearing up and putting to bed all of this ridiculous trans bathroom nonsense. Uh, then you're also going to find, what did this idiot just say? The new, uh, the new video for the idiot segment goes to Joy Reid. You'll see it for yourself when you uh, log on to alwayswrite.us. By the way, when you're there, click on the web store. Find your favorite patriotic T-shirt or hoodie or long-sleeve T-shirt. We've got them available for you. You can order them right off of our site. We'll get them in the the mail to you ASAP. But find your gear at alwayswrite.us on the web store. Back after the news. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I, 
have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. You know, we can't be always right if we if we uh, get our guests' names wrong. So uh, <laughs> I, I teased him twice in promoting uh, the interview we we're about to have as Gary Rabin. And I was told, no, 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 it's Rabine. Okay, I'll introduce him as Gary Rabine. No, 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 we just double triple check. It's Rabine. Hour number three is underway with our guest Gary Rabine. And that is what I'm happy to tell you right here. Uh, always right, AM 1420, the answer. Obviously, as you know, always right doesn't mean always correct. It means being uh, never left, and it means being as correct as we possibly can be. Uh, hour number three of this th- 18th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2022 is underway. We're talking about medical freedom. Gary Rabine is all about medical freedom. He's also all about being a candidate for governor in the great state of Illinois. And he joins us now to talk about uh, the role that freedom will play in that fight and beyond. Uh, Mr. Raybine, good to have you on our program. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob, I'm doing awesome. How are you today? Thanks for, um, thanks for having me on. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. You know, I, I read your article in Town Hall, uh, which was which is terrific. And you know, you're writing you're writing a lot about uh, some of the policies of uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, and moreover, the Governor J. B. Pritzker. I'll raise your J. B. Pritzker a Mike DeWine here and go all in. Uh, if you and I know J. B. Pritzker um, isn't the same party as Mike DeWine, but I think Mike DeWine has about the same mindset as most Democrats do as it pertains to. Um, governmental control of people's bodily autonomy rather than allowing them medical freedom to make up their own minds as we have seen over the course of the last two years. That's a big, big uh, issue that I would hope anybody running for office uh, is going to be speaking on. And it seems like that's one of the things you are making central to your your campaign. Is that right? I absolutely am. It seems like, you know, in some cases, these states like Illinois, Ohio, states like uh you know, there are these, these Democrats, uh, majority states, the Republicans think they have to be Democrats to win, and they have to be Democrats and, and, and socialists sometimes in making decisions they make, which is craziness. Um, we, we've got a, we've got major issues in Illinois, like you guys have in Ohio. We're, we're way, we're way, way worse than you, though. I got, I guarantee you, we've got a billionaire socialist, in our, you know, running our state that, uh, really believes that, it, it, you know, he, it, it, we should live by his rule. Um, not the way we think uh, freedom, freedom tells us to live, and and I, you know, I, I filed that lawsuit against Biden with a with a group, a few CEO, other CEOs, mm-hmm. and uh, against Biden's vaccine mandate. Nobody thought we could win. Everybody thought I was crazy. They said, "Why would you do that, Raybine? You're wasting your money, your time, and you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a spotlight on your on your butt um, the rest of your life because you're gonna you're gonna piss people off." Bottom line is. Uh, we won that lawsuit on, on January 14th, and it was it was a vaccine mandate that frees up 80 million people from having to take a vaccine, including my teammates at the Rabine Group of companies that my my my, uh, my you know that that we run out of Illinois and across the country. Well, you know, first of all, we're going to talk about that 80 million. Good for you, by the way. That's a that's a huge accomplishment, and and that's a, that's strong leadership right there. But to go back to the what's worse kind of a thing, you you're talking about oh, Illinois being run by a billionaire socialist, and that's terrible. 
but he was elected as a billionaire socialist. So you're getting billionaire socialist policies. Um, we elected a Republican governor, and we're a strong majority Republican state. The General Assembly here is 61-38, super majority in favor of the Republicans. That's in the House. 25-8 to 8 in the Senate. We're electing Republicans, and they're governing like Democrats and socialists. So I, you know, While you might have the worst of the two, we're the ones getting fleeced because we think we're voting for you know conservative believers in freedom, and we're not getting them. That's our problem. Okay, well, you kind of got me there, then. You're right. <laughs> I, I realize I, I thought you were closer to fifty-fifty uh, over there, and uh, you know we're we are we're actually close to fifty-fifty, but we continue to elect the, these idiots. Um, and, and you know, it's all about being bought. Who's bought? Who's not bought? In my opinion, or who doesn't have common sense? You know, so my my thing is, I'm running on common sense, and I cannot be bought. I never will be. And I and I, I want this job for two terms. I want to go back to business. I'm a I'm a business entrepreneur for forty years. I love building businesses, but a state like Illinois doesn't allow small businesses to, to prosper, grow um, like it once did. So my goal is to change that, uh, you know, change the regulatory environment, change the, change the tax environment, um, bring businesses and people into Illinois instead of, instead of the 122,000 people that, that left last year and 60,000 jobs. So that's, that's my goal, and we're going we're to get it done when I win. Tell me more about the Job Creators Network, um, because – that's obviously integral to every state's recovery from you know everything that we dealt with. And here, you know, Mike DeWine was uh, going back to that issue again. He was one of the very first, if not the very first, in the state to, or in the country rather, to say that in his state only essential workers would be allowed to go to work, only essential businesses would be allowed to stay open. One of the first to shut down schools, uh, and all of this stuff was just the whole you know familiar two weeks to flatten the curve thing, and then we'll all be back to normal. And it didn't work out that way. We're here two years in now. In fact, we were just discussing this in our first hour of our broadcast, Gary uh, Rabon. Um, the fact it's two years ago to the day it was it was March 18th in 2020 when the first orders were given by Ohio's governor that led to the end of thousands of businesses and hundreds of thousands of jobs. And two years later, those businesses um, we're not talking about temporary shutdowns. We're talking about people who could not come back. Uh, their businesses are closed forever. Uh, and people, uh, you know, didn't want to come back to jobs. So I kind of figure you're perfect to talk about this and how to recover from this since you are, uh, you know, you were on Job Creators Network. Yeah, so here, I, I've been, I was blessed to be invited to be one of the founders of Job Creators Network 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. The, the guy with the idea was Bernie Marcus, the founder of Home Depot. He saw that the regulatory environment in the Obama administration was such that he didn't believe that he would be able to ever do a Home Depot um, back then, right? That he, he would never be able to get to where he started from at, with nothing to where Home Depot got. And so people like him and I and our founders, you know, really, really believe in the American dream because we're part of it. And, and, and we, when you look at the regulatory environment, if you don't pay attention as stupid, stupid states like yours or ours or they don't respect the, the, you know, small businesses, shut them down or, or put regulations on their back that they can't survive through. Okay. We, we got excited. So we started to, Fight regulations that hurt businesses across America. We started with a six six founders. We have over three hundred thousand people now in Job Creators Network nationwide, and we do great things to fight stupid regulations that kill jobs. It's not it's not that difficult when you when you when you put the, you know a, a noose around the the, the the next small business with with crazy things like uh, you know um, it, it, the cost of workers' compensation being three times in Illinois what it is our surrounding states. Or when you put interest on the back of, of, a, of a frivolous lawsuit on a, on a, against, a, against a small business 
that cost 60% per year in interest, okay? And when you do these things, businesses aren't that stupid. These small businesses, they know their risk factors. They, 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 they either shut their doors or they, or they leave to another place, and that's who we are in Illinois. So Job Creators Network has been amazing at doing that, and it was myself, the CEO of Job Creators Network, and a few other Job Creators Network CEOs that filed that lawsuit against Biden. And, and, and we've gotten, gotten so strong with all these businesses that we're able to do some amazing things in fighting back against stupidity when, it comes, when we have leaders in government that never built anything in their lives that disrespect small businesses and call workers not, not essential, okay? It's sickening. Yeah, it is exactly that. And it's a tough pushback again because, you know, the, the, the individuals, uh, you know, who are so stupid in, in terms of these policies, there are so many more of them. We're outnumbered and that's what makes this very difficult. But you've found success. I want to talk more about what you did as the, uh, one of the plaintiffs or the lead plaintiff in the lawsuit that eventually ended up in the Supreme Court overturning the OSHA mandate that anybody working for a company, 100 uh, employers or more, has to be vaccinated. Um, you, you found success there. And that's why I want to ask you, how do we take the next step? Because contractors, anybody who's working for the government in a contractor company uh, or directly for the federal government, drawing a paycheck from the federal government, is still forced to take this vax or lose their job. Military personnel. So is there a comparison or is it just because, you know, one is working for the government, the other is private? Maybe we, we can't we can't count on the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I think people have to rise up and more lawsuits have to be slapped against the federal government and, and any any government jobs. We also need governors to step up and say, like DeSantis, it's not happening in my state. Like Christine Noem, not happening in my state. In Illinois, when I win as governor, not only are, are we going to uh, make this illegal to, 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 to have these vaccine mandates and mask mandates, we're going we're gonna to offer everyone, everyone in the government's jobs back, the policemen, the firemen, the government workers, we're going to offer them jobs back with signing bonuses um, to get them back in their position in, good, in, in, a, in a good place. Because these are the same people, Bob, that are independently-minded people, that are strong-willed people. These, these are the type of people that drive any success in business, whether it's government, private business or public. It's independent-minded, strong-minded people that, are, that, that create success. And, the, and, and what this does, this, this craziness, it, 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 it creates more sheeple, within the government system, more sheeple within, within businesses that, that are left-leaning, right? And we got we got to quit thinking that's okay. Yeah, I completely agree. We're talking with uh, Gary Rabine. He is a candidate for governor in, in uh, Illinois. He's also a founding member of the Job Creators Network. And again, we're talking about the vaccine mandates, the OSHA mandates. He was uh, a lead plaintiff who fought against that and, of course, got it overturned eventually. What is your opinion on Dr. Fauci's little return to public life? His return comes with a threat of a new increase in cases with the subvariant from Omicron that is going to lead us to into going back into mask mandates again. Uh, that coincides with the CEO of Pfizer asking the FDA for emergency authorized use uh, um, uh, uh, permission to deliver a fourth Pfizer shot, a second booster and a fourth total shot. It appears to me like they will not take, hey, herd immunity is the answer. They will not accept that as an answer in order to stop them. Yeah, it's it's amazing that uh, you know that our natural immune system has been has been honored as something that actually really works. And and uh, you know when you get measles, you get the chicken, you get all these things, right? And you probably won't get it again. And and you know that they've not they've not actually put any value on this this whole time, which is craziness. It's craziness. 
uh, you know, the science on, on, on both ends, if you look at it, you know, they'll, they'll tell you that the immune system actually does work with this virus as well as, as, as many, many in the past, and we'll put no value on that. This Fauci is a lunatic. I mean, he is part of, this, part of the problem from the beginning. He should be in jail. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, the, the last thing on a mandate when it comes to medical freedom that I wanted to ask you, we're talking with Gary Rabine again, candidate for governor of Illinois. Um, we just found out the FDA essentially was forced um, to, to come forth with some side effects, the list of potential side effects uh, from the Pfizer shots, and I won't call them vaccines. This is something they sought to cover up for 75 years. They sought to keep sealed until the year 2096. That was when anybody could look back and see, you know, the specifics about what they knew about side effects of, of the, of the Pfizer shots. And Gary, they, uh, they found 1,291 side effects. Potential. That didn't mean everybody's going to get any of them or every one of them, but there, mm-hmm. but there were potential. When you have that many potential side effects, ranging from as minor as my arm hurts, it's a sore arm, where you got the shot, to death, to literal death, uh, and along the way, a whole bunch of things in between, like blood, co- blood clots and palsy and paralysis and, uh, and, and uh, myocarditis and other things. When you have that many potential side effects... That means any patient has to have the right to choose, you know, to make the risk-reward evaluation for themselves or with their doctor. How can the federal government ever mandate something that is not 100% completely safe? How can they mandate something that may indeed cause you illness, injury, or death? I don't understand that in any, at any level. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's common sense, right? When we have bought politicians, okay, bought politicians that are owned by big pharma, right, this stuff happens. It never happened before in our history where you'd have, in, in the past, as you probably know, you know, 50, 40, 50 deaths of a vaccine, a real, a real vaccine trial, let's say, they, they end it, okay? They, they did this with, in, in the Ford administration. They've done it otherwise. 50, 40, 50 deaths, and they stop it, okay? They, they, they can't tell me that that there's not, that, that this hasn't gone way beyond anybody's expectations of of, of, of you know ver- when we talk about VAERS reports, death yeah. and and and, uh, and all these issues, right? We, we it's gone way way beyond anything we've ever imagined, and we've not stopped it still because these these politicians from Biden down are bought by big pharma. I mean, I, I, why why would you ever eliminate the liability of of the the experts the 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 the, the, the innovators the experts the you know the Pfizer's of the world right they're they're, they're multi you know billion you know the trillion dollar companies pretty soon and and why do you eliminate their liability because you're bought and because you're getting paid off by them that's the only reason. You know, I uh, we're talking to Gary Rabin. Last thing, I I, I always liken this to the M M&M and M test or the Skittles test. You know, you put a thou you put a thousand Skittles in a in a bowl, and you tell everybody every one of those pills except for one is very very good for you. It's healthy. It's going to make you immune to a virus that's going around. One of the pills, however, is poison. Do you want to take one? And the chances are there'll be a whole bunch of people say, yeah, I'll take that 999 out of a thousand shot of making sure I get a healthy one. Yeah. But can you mandate that somebody stick their hand in a bowl and take something out that might be poison, that might kill them? You can't make them do that and call yourself a free country. You can offer them the choice. You want to take your shot? Go ahead. That's, that's, that's liberty. That's freedom. But if one of those is going to kill you, and they know that this, this was, this was something that was possible, you can't mandate that, mandate that and still be a free country. 
Absolutely not, especially when you look at that bowl and you say that, you know, out of that bowl, if, if that person's pulling out of the bowl, if they're a young person, 20, 30 years old, their odds of them dying from this are like zero. Oh, so why right. the heck would they dip their hand that, in that bowl? If you're 85 years old and, and, and your odds of dying are, are, you know, 4 or 5% if you get it, okay, maybe, it's, maybe it makes you take, you know, take that risk. But, but that's what we do as Americans, as free people. We, under, we understand risk and we take the risk that we think is, is there for us. And I, I've, got a, I've got a young man, 34-year-old man, in the, in, the, in, a, in the shape of a bodybuilder, basically, right? This young man's worked out all his life. He doesn't work out now because he, he, he took the vaccine, and, he, and he, he's got myocarditis. He can't work out anymore without, without having major pains around his heart. And this is a year later, okay? So this, there is risk for, for young people, even maybe more than older people, and why the heck would, 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 you, would, you, would any of us be okay with that risk? That is exactly the question, and that's exactly what I think uh, uh, eventually a court is going to have to decide. Um, how, how dare they try to tell healthy people who have zero risk or next to zero risk, put their hand in that bowl and say, take a shot, and maybe it'll be super good for you, and if you get the wrong one, you may die, uh, or in your friend's case, uh, you know, be very seriously injured and compromised. Uh, Gary Rabine, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Great article about medical freedom uh, in Town Hall. We appreciate you coming on, and I wish you the very best in trying to flip around that uh, that crazy blue state in Illinois. We're going to do it, Bob. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on. Thank you. God bless. All right, that's Gary Rabine. He's trying to beat a uh, he's trying to beat a billionaire socialist governor in J.B. Pritzker. That's a tough road to hoe, no doubt about it. I wonder which is tougher, a Republican beating a Democrat like that in Illinois or a primary Republican challenger beating an incumbent Republican who governs like a Democrat here in Ohio. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the uh, conundrum that we face right now. And we can't even have a primary to get this thing settled so we can get into a, uh, a, you know, a, real, a real fight for the general election because of the ridiculousness of the Republican uh, Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court. All right, we've covered a lot of ground in the last three interviews. Really good stuff. Uh, I want to hear from you now. We talked to Shannon Burns. Uh, we talked with Christina Hagen. Now we have talked with Gary Rabine. The rest of the show is yours. Dial 216-901-0945. Free for all. You choose the topic. Or leave your message for me at alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. Your voice message will be played on the air. Leave it now, and we'll be right back. So we've got Richard Levine as Woman of the Year. We've got Will Thomas as the female NCAA swimming champion. And next, we'll have Nancy Pelosi polling to be number one as the Republican nominee for president. (laughs) Have a good morning. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's pretty much like that, isn't it? Uh, That's Pim, the politically incorrect mechanic from... He wrote it 
Flakewood, Ohio. Uh, I didn't write that one. Leave your messages at alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. Let me squeeze in one more before the bottom. Hey, Bob. I went to see Tori Maris this past Wednesday at Freedom Fighters. She's running against Frank LaRose for Secretary of State. I'd like to hear you put her on the air because she has great ideas for what should be done by our Secretary of State. Thanks, Bob. All right. I appreciate that. That was Tom in Medina County. Uh, and uh, I know it was just the weird phone, or not phone, but uh, a computer connection there. But didn't it sound like one great big giant long bong rip? <laughs> what was that? It sounded like bubbling going on through the entire call. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, I, there are a lot of candidates, Tom, and I'm glad you brought it up. A lot of candidates that I want to talk to and uh, in a lot of races, and not a lot of people talk about Secretary of State. It should be talked about. It absolutely should be, uh, because right now the state of Ohio is in an elections um, mess. It's a state of chaos. Uh, the Secretary of State needs to be in charge of this. Obviously, he can't control what happens at the uh, Ohio Supreme Court. But right now, there are a lot of questions about our election integrity, and there are a lot of questions about how our districts will be drawn and how elections will happen in the state. So um, there may be some Secretary of State candidates who've got some great ideas uh, on what could be done. And I will talk to all of them if we've given the opportunity. Keep those messages coming to um, alwayswrite.us on the sound off button, alwayswrite.us. Back after the news. I'm going to leave the city, got to get away. I'm going to leave the city, got to get away. All this buzzing and fighting, man, you know I sure can't stay. upside down and the majority turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer Eleven thirty-seven on a friday last day of the first week of our three-hour show uh we're making the most of it bringing you great guests bringing you great commentary each and every day i think and uh we're going to keep doing that Technically, of course, we take you to about 45, and then we give Bill O'Reilly 15 minutes for commentary before the top of the hour. But uh, really, really glad to be here, and I want to say thank you to Mark King and Keeping, keeping Medicare Simple uh, and uh, uh, the Floor King. That's my pair of kings I like to talk about. It's the best hand in poker, uh, and I don't care if you got aces. I'll still put mine up against you because uh, I think I'll win. Um, but uh, really, really appreciate that making it possible, possible for us to have our third hour. I want to share something with you here because this is a tremendous montage. Uh, and as you fill up your tank at four bucks a gallon today and tomorrow and Sunday, I want you to remember whose fault it is. And so does the Biden administration. They want you to know whose fault it is, too, because the answer is not theirs. And literally everybody else's between the Biden administration and the mainstream media that carries their water, here is a montage of everything that is to blame for your extraordinary energy prices, your gas prices. And just understand right out of the gate, none of them are them. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down. I will do what needs to be done to reduce the price you pay at the pump. Even if we drilled as much as we could, 
the price of oil is still set globally. This Keystone pipeline, it would take years for that to have an impact on prices. There's an impediment to production in the United States. And it's called the bankers on Wall Street. Oil prices and, and gas prices are famously something that is largely outside of the direct control of any political figure. The price of oil is very much dependent upon the global supply. And that's manipulated for price by countries that don't always uh, have the same values that we have. That is a consequence of, thus far, the refusal of, uh, of uh, Russia or uh, or the OPEC nations to uh, pump more oil. The gas prices, of course, are based upon a global oil market. That oil market is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is OPEC. Certainly, we all want to keep gasoline prices low, uh, but uh, the threat of the crisis, uh, the climate crisis, certainly can't wait any longer. The significant reason why prices are up is because of COVID affecting the supply chain. Inflation in prices and housing and in gas is because of deficit spending. That's Trump's fault. The invasion of Ukraine and the volatility <laughs> of the oil market is no excuse for excessive price increases, profit padding, or any effort to exploit American consumers. The current spike in gas prices is largely the fault of Vladimir Putin. Putin's tax. That's, a, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. That's his gas hike. Are you guys just going to start blaming Putin for everything? Putin's price hike's <laughs> at the pump. Putin's price hike here at home. Putin. You should be blaming Putin, if anybody, for this. And to not blame Putin, first of all, is denying reality. And second, frankly, I think is un-American. Democrats didn't cause this problem. Vladimir Putin did. We've seen the <laughs> price of gas go up at least 75 cents since President Putin lined up troops on the border of Ukraine. And people are feeling it. They're feeling it. Do you ever think you'd be paying this much for a gallon of gas? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe there's another answer. Maybe uh, you just got to try harder not to suck. Maybe that would be the answer here. And by the way, you know who actually did? Uh, predict this type of gas price increase. You just heard Joe Biden at the end of that montage. You ever think you pay, you're paying this amount of money for gas? You know, somebody did, and there was a reason for it. We have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have, it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things, and you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. So, yeah, somebody predicted it. Somebody knew exactly what was going to happen, and that is exactly what is happening. And by the by, did you know that today is day 24 of the Ukrainian war, or I should say the Russian war on Ukraine, the invasion? Today is day 24. Did you know that gas prices went from $2 a gallon 24 days ago to four thirteen or whatever it is you're paying today? The national average, I still think, is like four thirty-one or something like that. So maybe you're getting it around here for four bucks even, or whatever the case might be. I got. It's been since Monday. I filled up at. F- uh, bu- 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 bu. Oh no, I did Sam's. I did Sam's. It was three three ninety-five. I think everywhere else was around four nineteen at that time. So uh, that was back on Monday. Is last time I filled up. So I'm not sure exactly what it is right now. But did you know that twenty-four days ago? When or 25 days ago, when Vladimir Putin had not invaded Ukraine, gas was just two bucks a gallon. Then Putin invaded Ukraine, and suddenly, uh, you know, the entire thing just went out of whack, and and it went from two dollars to four thirteen in a blink, just like that. Did you know that? I didn't know Vladimir Putin had that kind of power. 
Obviously, he does. Vladimir Putin was a bad dude. Yeah, he's a real bad dude if you're going to blame him for all of that. The reality is, you know as well as I do, and you should take this into your weekend if you've got driving plans, and maybe you're canceling your plans because you can't afford $78 last time I filled up. You can't afford to do it again and again. But you know as well as I do that well over a year ago, when Donald Trump was the president of the United States, you were at just under or just over 2 bucks a gallon. You know that the minute Joe Biden came in and signed three executive orders uh, ending energy uh, production or at least severely limiting it in the United States, that's when prices went from two to two and a quarter to two seventy five to this last year up over three to three fifteen to three forty five, and once we got around to that three seventy three seventy five mark, yes. Then the Ukraine thing happened, you know, 24 days ago, and it got bumped from 350, 375 up to 44 and a quarter, 431, the way it is right now. For them to blame Putin for everything is just so typically demon rat. Just so typically demon rat. Uh, it is not the invasion that caused all of this. The invasion caused the last part of this. And maybe because we had to shut off Russian oil now which will take effect in 30 to 45 days maybe just maybe it will happen it'll you know it'll it'll be responsible for more increases from this point but no stop it it's your policies it's not vladimir putin's uh invasion of ukraine that led us to this terrible place we are in our own, in our own economy and on our own household budgets all right that's all the time we're going to have for you today like i said we got o'reilly coming your way to give you a little bit of commentary before the top of the hour so stick here for that thanks to my guests who were part of the show today including Shannon Burns, including Christina Hagen, and including Gary Rabine. Thanks to Johnny, and thanks to Marcy running our show, and thanks to you for being a part of it. Have a safe weekend. Don't do anything uh, uh, that a Democrat would do, and I think that's probably the best advice I can give you. Don't forget your Let's Go Brandon gear. Also, whether it's for gifts or for yourself, online right now at alwaysright.us. Go to the web store. Your, your Brandon gear and your uh, patriotic gear, it's all there for you. Everybody together now. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.